Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. Without holiness, there'll be no harvest. And every time I've experienced harvest in my life and ministry, it's because of the holiness of God uh, that's been upon not only my life, but the lives of the others around me who were involved in the ministry. Seem very thin on the ground this morning. But we have an important message, really, from the Lord. Uh, some of you I hear were greatly blessed over the weekend at the encounter weekend with the freedom. And of course, a lot of the things that you were getting set free from were things of unholiness, really. They did not reflect the holiness of Jesus. So they didn't do, they weren't doing you any good and they weren't doing the purpose of God in your life any good. So it's good to be get free of all those things, yes? But getting free of all those things doesn't make you holy. To get free of unholiness doesn't make you holy. It just brings you to a neutral position. You understand? Getting free from all sin doesn't make you holy. Because holiness is positive, it's not negative. So getting rid of the negative doesn't make you holy, but receiving the positive life of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit. It's only Christ himself who is our holiness. So obviously it's good, it's right, it's necessary to be set free from all the things that are unholy. That's part of the purpose that God has for our lives. But just to be set free from those things does not impart to us the positive aspects of Jesus' life that need to be expressed in our lives so that we walk in holiness. So let's just look at some of the things the scripture says for a moment. When Jesus prayed for the disciples before he went to the cross, chapter 17 of John, he said to the Father, sanctify them by the truth. Make them holy by the truth. So you're made holy by the truth, not by getting rid of the negative things. You understand it's important to get rid of the negative things. But that doesn't make you holy. Only faith in the truth makes you holy. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. See? There's a connection here. We go out into the world in order to reap the harvest. But what does Jesus pray for them before saying that? Sanctify them. Make them holy. Because I want to send them out as you sent me out, as you sent me to the world. 
how did the Father send him with the holy life of the Holy One, of the Holy God? And, of course, he didn't begin his ministry until the power of the Holy Spirit came upon him. So there's a connection here between being sanctified by the truth and being sent out to actually fulfill the purpose of God in the world. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, I consecrate myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. So, in what way was Jesus sanctified? By giving himself without reservation to the will of his Father, even though that involved going to the cross. Now, if we move on to Romans, you remember that I've said to you many times that salvation is a process. And the problem is that many Christians confuse justification with salvation. Now, justification is that work by which God has made us totally acceptable to him through all that Jesus did on the cross. So we are made acceptable to God, brought into a relationship with him. But why? Because his purpose is to sanctify us, for his holy life to be reproduced in our life. As we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, so that work of sanctification is going on in our lives. And then, of course, the third part of salvation is glorification, where we're glorified with the Lord. So Paul says, when he's writing to the Romans, those who are justified, which is the beginning of the process, are also glorified, which is the end of the process. In between, the justification and the glorification is the sanctification. Now, I can use these words with you because you should by now be able to understand them. I wouldn't use these words when I was preaching to the people in, in uh, Italy or anywhere else, but you can say the same thing in much simpler language. So, <clears throat> God's purpose is that we should be holy. That's always been his purpose for his people. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Peter repeats that in his epistle. Now, when he's writing to the Corinthians, in the first letter, Paul says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and I explained to you last week how that process is completed in Christ that in our spirit we are sanctified, made holy, made perfect, complete in Christ. That is something he's already done. But then, you see, Paul says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, we have to work out that which he has done for us in Jesus in our daily life, in our experience. So he's made us holy for us to be holy. And we saw last time, last week, 
that this is the difference between what we are and what we have in the spirit and what actually gets outworked in our soul life. That we are made holy in the spirit, we are being made holy in our soul life, trans, uh, transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Now that helps us to understand the nature of holiness. The nature of holiness is really to live in the likeness of Jesus. Who lived the holy life here on earth? Jesus. The church of God has been, I, I think I'm be bold enough to say, plagued by holiness movements. Because holiness movements have given the impression that you can be holy by denying all the negative things. Get rid of all the negative things and then you'll be holy. But that's only a neutral position. If we're holy, then we're reproducing the life of Jesus in our lives. His love, his power, his joy, his peace, everything that he is gets reproduced in us. That's holiness. Holiness is not just purity. Purity is one aspect of holiness. But holiness is the positive life of Jesus. So getting rid of the negative things that are a contradiction to that life is an important part of the process of what God wants to do in our lives. But getting rid of the negative does not fill us with the positive. Those things are a hindrance to us walking and working out the holiness of God in our lives, which is why it's so important to be rid of them. But it's only by laying hold of the truth and living in the truth of all that Jesus has done for us that that positive life of Jesus gets reproduced in us. And that's what God is concerned to do in order to make us effective as those who will reap the harvest. So to the church of God in Corinth, Paul says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere, including Horsham, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way, in your spirit, and God wants the riches of the presence of the life, of the power, of the love, of the joy, and so on, of Christ to be now translated and transmitted, if you like, into your soul life. So you have been enriched in every way, and all your speaking and all your knowledge, that's what you're doing day by day, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Our testimony of what Christ has done, of what Christ has made you, he has made you those sanctified people that are set free from everything that is not of God's purpose and anointed by the power of the Spirit in order to live according to what is his purpose. So hallelujah. Praise God that we get rid of all the negative, but what concerns God now is that we live in the positive. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus. 
you will be blameless when Jesus comes again, or you will be blameless on the day that you meet with him and the day of judgment. Why? Because you're living out the salvation that God has given you in Christ Jesus. And, of course, later in that chapter, Paul goes on to say that Jesus is our holiness. He is our righteousness. He is our redemption. We don't have any righteousness or holiness apart from him. Then if we go to Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3, Paul is saying, well, he's writing to the saints in Ephesus, that is, to the sanctified ones in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Not just those who live in Christ because of the position that God has given them, but they are living out their lives faithfully in Christ. So the life of Jesus, that fullness of life, that completeness that we have in him is being increasingly experienced and being reflected in our daily lives, in our soul life. So then he says in verse 3, Praise or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That's a truth we know very well. But you see, all the blessings are in the heavenly places. All the blessings are in Christ. Amen? So your position, that what, what he has done for you, as we explained last week, is he's made you holy. He has actually seated you in heavenly places with him. This is your position but now that has to be worked out in your performance. What God wants is not for there to be a big difference between your position in Christ and the performance of what is going on in your life. He wants the performance to match the position. Can you understand? I mean, I've explained all this to you before. I'm only reminding you of what I've already taught you. So, he has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, why did he do that? Because, for, in verse 4, because he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You see, God's call upon your life, God's call upon every single Christian is to be holy. God doesn't want a holiness movement. He wants a holy people. And in Ephesians, it says, the nations will know that I am the Lord when I show myself holy through you. That's God speaking to his people. So we're going to see harvest because of the way that the holiness of God is going to increasingly impact our lives. And I believe that what we're going to see in the coming months is we're going to see a correlation between those two things that the more of the holiness that gets expressed in our lives, the more harvest we will see. And that will be a great encouragement to us. Amen? But this, is, this harvest is not going to happen in the way that we would want or we desire or that we would plan. It's not going to happen by anything that we can contrive or do. Only God can produce the harvest. Our job is to be the harvesters. But we can't produce the harvest. We can't make the Holy Spirit convict hundreds and thousands of people of sin and then cause them to come into the kingdom of God. We can't do that. That has to be the work of the Holy Spirit. But you see, what he does 
is he can bring that convicting power far more readily through a people that are walking in his holy purposes. Are you still breathing? Okay. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons. Now, of course, if you walk in holiness, you walk in love, not in human love, but in God's love. God is holy, God is love. You can't separate those two things. His love is holy love. It's love that has no hidden, secret, um, personal motives. It's a love that gives, it's a love that serves, it's a love that is concerned about the object of that love, those who are the object of that love. Human love demands a response so that, you know, we, you can feel that that love is fulfilled. But God's love is not like that. Of course, he wants us to respond to that love. He wants us to reflect that love. But his love is not dependent upon response. He loves even before there's any response. While we were yet sinners, he loved us. And Jesus gave his life for us before there was any response from us because his love is eternal and he keeps us in that love no matter what is going on in our lives. But of course, the more we glorify him in our lives, the more we serve him and are faithful to him, the more of that love is going to be reflected. And that again has an impact upon the harvest. Because the people that are unsaved need to, need to actually uh, understand the love of God for them. Not because we tell them, but because they see the love of God in us. They receive the love of God through us. That is what makes uh, evangelism so much more effective. So in love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace that he has freely given us in the one he loves. And so on. We know it's a great passage, the, that opening chapter of, of uh, Ephesians, full of wonderful truths about who we are in Christ. So... <clears throat> We can understand from all this, God's purpose is for us to be a holy people, to be a people that, as I put it last week, are living the Jesus life. That's his purpose. Is it your purpose? Because that's the point. Thank you for your response. Uh, it would have been good if everybody shouted yes. Uh, I can only think from your silence that this is a word from God. Uh, it's the will of God for every single Christian, every single believer. He can never have a less, lesser purpose than that every child of his should be a holy child of God, living in holiness, reflecting his character, who he is. The fruit of the Spirit, of course, is a description of holiness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
to which you add the power and all the other things that the scripture says about the Holy Spirit, whatever is revealed about the Holy Spirit is holy because the Spirit is holy. So God's purpose is for all the fruit, all the gifts, all the manifestations of the Spirit to be actually expressed in our lives in a viable way because that's holiness. That's what happened in the life of Jesus. This is what he was encouraging and enabling in the life of the disciples. This is what he was praying for before he went to the cross. And this is what the anointing of the Holy Spirit has made possible for us. Now, you see, you could be hesitant in saying, yes, I want to live the holy life, because in your spirit you do, but in your soul you don't. Remember we were talking uh, a few weeks ago about the control of the Holy Spirit, how Paul talks about allowing the Holy Spirit to be in control of our lives. God will never take control. It's for us to give him control. Hello? And we will only live that holy life that he wants of us if we give him control. If we let the Holy Spirit be the one within us who is actually taking the initiative in the things that we say and do and in the direction in which we're walking, in the direction of our lives, really. So we have to make that decision, but you see, it's the decision that has to come out of desire. So, okay, we can understand from Scripture that God's purpose for all of us is to be holy. That means we could come to the conclusion, you could come to the conclusion, I ought to be holy. And that is absolutely right. You ought to be holy. But you see, knowing you ought to be holy does not create holiness in you. That holiness is only created in you when you can say to the Lord, I want to be holy. God was talking to us, wasn't he, about crying out to him last term and so on. Are we ready to cry out to him for holiness? To be holy as he is holy? Because this is the purpose of God. Now, in Scripture, holiness is happiness. But actually, the more holy a person is, the more joyful he is. This is why holiness movements, which are far, which would seem very joyless, are not really what Jesus is talking about, what the Scripture is talking about. Because where there's holiness, there's great joy. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus was the greatest man of joy that ever walked on the earth. Why? It says in Hebrews chapter 1 that the anointing of the oil of joy was upon him that raised him above his companions. Why? Because he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. What's that? Holiness. That's practical holiness. You love what is right, you hate what is evil. You hate it so much, you don't want it to touch your life. You don't want it to taint your life. You don't actually want any sin in your life. Now, if we're honest, you see, there is still probably an attitude of a certain amount of compromise of not really understanding that this is going to involve letting go 
completely placing ourselves into the Lord's hands so that he can work out that holy purpose in our lives. It's got to be Christ in you. It's got to be the work of the Holy Spirit in you because you can't, you can't be holy in your own strength. You can't try to be holy. You can't try to imitate Jesus. The Holy Spirit has to work within you. That's a, another mistake that many evangelical believers have made. They, they talk all the time about imitating Jesus. You can't imitate him. He can only work out his life in you and through you. And Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. What he means is not that I'm living trying to be like Jesus, but I'm living in such a way that I'm allowing the life of Jesus to work through my life. And I want you to see how that operates in my life, and I want, I want to see it happening in your lives also. That's what Paul is saying. So praise God that he deals with all the negatives by the power of his blood, sets us free, that we might live in freedom. But what is to live in freedom? To live in freedom is to live in holiness. You see, what were you repenting of and getting set free from? Things that are not holy. Things that are of self and not of God. Things that are of self, not of the Spirit. Things that are of self, not of Jesus. You weren't asking to be set free from anything of the Spirit or anything of Jesus. You're asking to be set free from things that are not of the Spirit and not of Christ. That doesn't make you holy, but it helps for the holiness that God has put into you by his Holy Spirit to be expressed more fully in your life because those things will no longer be a hindrance to that. But still you have to do the positive and want that holiness, want his life to be expressed in you. Now what does this mean? Well, it's really what I was talking to you about last week. It's Jesus reproducing his character in you. You see, if you look at the Gospels, you cannot separate what Jesus did from his character. And the same is true for you. Whatever you do, whatever you do, is a reflection of your character. So all those things that God was setting you free from were actually the result of your character in the past. So what we always need when we're set free is not just to be set free, but to understand God wants a change of character so that those things don't get repeated. Because otherwise we can be set free and a year later we need to be set free all over again because the character hasn't changed. But you see, what does it mean to be holy? It means that God is actually reproducing his character in you. And that can only happen through Christ in you, through the life of the Holy Spirit within you. So holiness isn't wearing long dresses and having long faces to go with them. I mean, holiness, holiness has got to do first and foremost with the character of Jesus. Because he is holy. Now, 
This is the purpose of God for you. I mean, everything else, everything else is secondary to this. Everything else is secondary to this in God's purpose for your life. Your ministry is secondary to reproducing the character of God. God is much more concerned about reproducing his character in you than any ministry that you might be concerned about. Because he knows that the more of his character that is reproduced in you, that will affect your ministry. But as with Jesus, you see, you can't separate what he said and what he did from who he is. And it's the same for us. That the more we are living at one with Jesus and his holiness, the more of that life, of that character, of the of the life, of the power of of God's holiness will impact the lives of other people. So God takes us through these times where he not only deals with the negative, but he says, well, I want to reproduce my character in you. Now, of course, you could say, well, Lord, I don't really want that. I know that's I know that's what I should want. That's what ought to be the case. But if I'm honest, I don't really want that. I want a measure of control in my life. I want to fulfill the plans and ambitions that I have for my life. In which case, Jesus says to us, okay, you have the freedom to do that, but understand that means you don't want to go to heaven. Why? Because the scripture says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Amen? And think about it. In heaven, is there going to be any sin? Is there going to be any failure? Is there going to be anything that does not reflect the holiness of God? You see, there's a whole spiritual creation that actually existed before the physical creation of the universe in which we live. But as we, as we read in, in the book of Revelation, for example, we see that all the heavenly host, whether they're elders, whether whoever they are, the creatures around the throne, the elders and the saints that are there, the angels, and so on, all of them are holy. All of them. Because you can't have anything unholy in heaven. As soon as Lucifer did something that was unholy, he and the angels that followed him in his rebellion were immediately thrown out. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It was as quick as that. As soon as there was anything unholy, there cannot be anything unholy in heaven. Which is why, you see, God, God's purpose was not only to justify us, to make us acceptable to him and bring us into relationship with him, but to make us a holy people. Amen? Now, we're dealing with God here, so we can't play around. We can't fool about and say, yeah, well, you know, 
I've got plenty of time to go. I'll get round to being more holy when I've done what I want to do with my life. Well, God understands motivation, doesn't he? He, he knows what lies in our hearts, in our minds, the way we think, the attitudes we have. And I don't think he would be very impressed by that kind of attitude, do you? Why? Because his purpose is for him to use you to bear much fruit now in your life, not at some time in the future when you fool around for a few years. Are you there? So the sooner he brings you to this place of really wanting to be like Jesus, so much so that, that you are happy to let go of all the things that do not glorify Jesus. Now, are you listening? Jesus says the eye is the light of the body. Now, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So just as the Holy Spirit indwelt Jesus so that he could fully express the life of his father in his ministry. So that same life is in you. Your body is a temple of that same life. But Jesus says the eye is the light of the body. So if your eyes are on the light your body will be filled with light. But if your eyes are on things of darkness that are not the will of God, then you fill your body with darkness. Can you understand? So for many Christians, they're not really living either in the light or in darkness, but they're living in twilight. Because sometimes they have their eyes on the light and sometimes they have their eyes on what is not the will of God either in things that they look at on television, on their laptops, or, or things they read, or whatever, whatever, whatever. But the eye is the light of the body. So we've got to take seriously how we use our eyes. But I want you to understand that the eye of the mind is as important as the eye of the body. This is why the scripture says, let your minds be renewed so you know the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. You see, it's what goes on in our mind that is going to decide, really, whether we're walking in light or walking in darkness. It's not just what we do with our physical eyes, but it's where we focus our mental eyes as well. Are you still breathing? So praise God. What we have going for us is this. 
that all that I've been saying to you is God's will for you. And if it's God's will for you, then he will back it up with his presence, his power, and with everything you need to make it actually effective in your life. In other words, his grace will abound in your life to make it possible for you to walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him, remember John says, whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. It's not an option. He says you must do this. Okay, so if we must do it, we know we ought to do it, but we won't actually be effective until we want to do it. And, of course, being the kind of people that we are, we can want it, and yet there are certain things we also want to hold on to. Now, those things you should have let go this last weekend. There shouldn't be anything now that you're holding on to that is not the will of God. I'm not saying there isn't. I'm saying there shouldn't be. Uh, because that's, that's the point of freedom, getting free from everything that is not his will. But you see, getting free from what is not his will does not actually fulfill his will. You then have to do what is his will. So we get free from the unholy so that now we can walk in holiness. We get set free from unrighteousness that now we can walk in righteousness. We get free from everything that has hindered us because the scripture says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run before us the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That our eyes upon him, the eyes of our body, the eyes of our mind, our focus is on Jesus, our focus is on what he wants. Now, I know what it's like to live what I'm talking about, and I know the fruit of it, and I, I've seen the harvest that happens as a result. It's not a result, it's not that we produce the harvest. As I said, Jesus himself, God alone, can produce the harvest. It's just that we are in a position spiritually where we're able to reap. Because the fields are already white and ready for harvest. So God is doing this work in us now that we will then be effective, much more effective than we are now, in seeing and being able, really, to reap that harvest. Hallelujah. So <clears throat> I talked to you last week about not being satisfied because, you know, we can see God doing a certain amount in our lives and we can be satisfied. But God is never satisfied by what he sees now because he always knows there's much more that he needs to work in us and to do through us. And like you, I've had to go through a whole process where God has set me free from things that are less than his best holy purpose in my life. And I have less excuse than you because I've lived in that and I know what it means and I know what it involves. 
But things of self can so easily slip back into our lives, almost imperceptibly, without us realizing. And it's only when God brings us up short and he says this and this and this, yeah, they may be all right, but they're not helpful. They do not fulfill my purpose to be holy. They may be neutral, they may not be sinful, but they're not helpful. Hello? So there can be things like, there can be sinful things, of course, but there can be also other things that just preoccupy us, but they're not helpful to the purpose of God. So, how are you going to respond to this? Well, God is reading your heart at this moment, so he knows already how you're responding to it because he knows what you say even before you say it. You see, the devil is a liar. And the devil wants you to think that if you live in holiness, you're going to live in restriction rather than freedom. Because that's what holiness movements have done. You know, I've spoken often over the years to people that were brought up in the holiness movement as children. And often their their childhood was frightful, terrible. But the impression that they got is that holiness is joyless because their experience of being made to be holy or it wasn't really being holy, but you know, conforming to the holiness of of their parents was a joyless experience for them because it didn't come out of revelation, didn't come out of faith, didn't come out of love for God. And you know that if as a kid you were made to do something against your will, you resent it. And when you get older, you rebel against it. And I've come across so many people that were brought up in that way and rebelled against it because... There was no joy in it. There was no fulfillment in it. But that's not holiness. Where there's holiness, there's joy. Where there's holiness, there's fulfillment. Where there's, where there's holiness, there's power. Where there's holiness, there's God. Because he is holy. And this is where the devil is a liar, you see. This is where the devil wants to make people think, you're going to have a restricted, you're going to have a, a a, a life that is just going to be in bondage to what you have to be. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about a holiness movement. I'm talking about being like Jesus. Look at the life of Jesus. Was he restricted? Nobody could lay a finger on him. They wanted to kill him long before the cross, but nobody could touch him. He was walking in holiness. And look what happened. Everybody who came to him got touched by the life and the power of God because he was living in holiness. This is holiness. If there's holiness, there's power. If there's no power, there's no holiness. Because Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When the spirit of holiness comes upon you, there will be power. If there's no power, then that's not holiness. Sorry, but that's the... That's the, uh, 
bottom line. So hallelujah, we need to see more power. Saw a lot of power this weekend. So many people getting healed and set free by the Lord in different ways. And I'm sure that was what was happening here. It is for freedom. Christ has set us free. So, you know, if on one hand Paul is saying, you know, God's call upon your life is to be holy and blameless, and then in the next breath he's saying, and it is for freedom Christ has set you free, you've only got to put those things together and say, holiness is freedom. It's not restriction, it's freedom. God actually frees me from myself. He frees me from all those things that are not his will. He frees me from the influence of the world around me. He frees me from being under the domination of my flesh. He frees me from everything that Satan wants to do in my life. It's liberty. It's complete freedom. Some of you still don't look happy. Praise God. So what do we have to do? Simply desire what he desires. Once you desire what he wants, he'll do the rest. But you see, when you desire something, you go after it. I mean, you don't think, well, this is a nice thought to be holy like Jesus. He's not interested in you having nice thoughts. He's interested in you and me living a holy life because he knows the impact that's going to have. Sanctify them by the truth. I'm sending them into the world as you sent me into the world. There's a connection there. So praise God. What he wants is for these 5,000 households God has given his vision for here to become 5,000 holy households. Because when the people concerned come to the Lord, they come into holiness and because they don't know anything else, they actually believe that this is the norm for Christians. You see, when, when we've been in harvest, revival, holiness, you know, all these things go together. People have come out of, I mean, terrible, terrible. I, I, if I gave you the testimony of some of the people that were actually living with us, that would be almost unbelievable. I, I mean, there are some things I have never, ever repeated because people just told me the most dreadful, terrible, terrible, terrible things that were going on in their lives. I would never, ever, ever even want to repeat those to anyone. But I've seen those people transformed immediately and living and walking in holiness because they came among a people that were living and walking in holiness. And I used to think, these people, they've been Christians for days, and they're walking in holiness, and there have been people going to church all their lives, and they're nowhere near walking in the same degree of holiness 
as these people have just been saved for a few days. That's the power of God. Of course, it's his transforming power, but it's because they came among a people, that was their lifestyle. You see, when somebody, when a new believer comes into a church, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know very much. But what he will do is adopt the lifestyle of that church. Because he thinks that's the way you do it. He doesn't know how to live a Christian as a Christian, so he sees what everybody else is doing, so he joins in. Nothing else is expected of him because that's the way everybody else is living. But when People are living in holiness. That's what they do. They adopt that lifestyle right from the very beginning. And you see, I believe, I believe that God is not an idiot. And I believe that God is therefore reproducing his life in us now before we see the multiplication so that it's the multiplication of being a holy people, not a people who ought to be holy. God doesn't want to reproduce, you know, and have hundreds and thousands of people who all know they ought to be holy, but a people who have the living example before them of a people that are walking in holiness through the mercy and the grace of God. That's a challenge to all of us. It's a challenge to the students while you're here with us. It's a challenge especially to the team, of course, because they have to set the standard for the whole church. If the leadership in a church don't live that, then the people in the church won't live that because what happens in, in any congregation is a reflection of its leadership. So it's important that we have a holy leadership leading a holy people who are living holy lives, who are being sent out into the world as Jesus was sent by the Father and seeing holy results. You all look so solemn. It's joyful. It's joyful, you see? How, how did you feel after you received prayer over the weekend? Didn't you feel a sense of release, of relief, of joy, of thankfulness? Yes? And that was just getting set free from the negative the joy and the release of actually receiving and living in the positive will be far greater than that. That's just the joy of getting set free from things that shouldn't have been there anyway. But when you have the joy of what should be there, of what God puts there, of what God wants to see in our lives, the joy is so much greater. But I can't reproduce that joy in you, only the Holy Spirit can. So Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So 
Either you want his will or you don't. Can you see that it's not possible to want God's will partially? If you only want his will partially, you don't want his will. With God, it's all or nothing. So praise the Lord. He wants you to be happy. And there needs to be much more joy, joy in our worship, joy in our life. I heard a lot of shrieking and screaming in my office this morning. Whatever was going on on the corridor above, I don't know what it was, but it didn't sound particularly holy. But <laughs> I don't think that was necessarily the kind of joy that the Lord is talking about. Amen? <laughs> I'm sure you were having a good time at something or other, but probably best that I don't know what. Hallelujah. So, you know, I have to face this truth in my life just as you have to face it in your life. No compromise, no caveats, no holding on to anything, no one saying, well, Lord, I want your will, but... You see, because a long time ago, God taught me, sheep follow, but goats but. Think about it, think about it. As soon as we put, but, I want your will, but, we're acting like goats, not sheep. Amen? So, hallelujah. Let's all stand. Well, I've delivered the word of the Lord to you. I can't make you respond. I can't make you even want what he's talking about. I have enough to contend with to want it in my own life without, without being concerned about whether you want it or not. This is entirely up to you. He's not going to force you because it's got to be out of love. There are two things, two principles that you need always to keep before you in the Christian life. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So put those two things together. You need faith for the holiness of God to be reproduced in your life. Can you pray for that? Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we know self, that holiness is not self-righteousness. It's not looking down on others and thinking we're more holy than they are. That actually the more holy we are, the more humble we will be. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus lived the holy life here on earth. He, he demonstrated what it is like to be human in the way that you created humanity.
in what you wanted humanity to be. And we thank you, Lord, that we see that he counted himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, that that was his holiness, one aspect of his holiness. We thank you, Lord, that that anointing of joy was upon him, that raised him above his companions. That was another aspect of his holiness. We thank you, Lord, that he healed the sick and raised the dead. That was another aspect of his holiness. We thank you, Lord, that he taught the truth of the kingdom and he lived by the word that he taught, and that was another aspect of his holiness. We thank you that he lived in the anointing and the fullness of the Holy Spirit and all the fruit of the Spirit and all the manifestations of the Spirit were clear in his life, except speaking in tongues, which he didn't need to do. And all those things are reflections, are aspects of his holiness. And we thank you, Lord, that you put the spirit of holiness within us. That you have made us holy in your sight. Just as you've been teaching us these last few days. And Lord, we thank you that you have made it possible for us to live as the holy people that you've called us to be. That you have blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. For you chose us in him to be holy and blameless in his sight. So we thank you, Lord, that this is your call upon our lives. We thank you that you have blessed us with everything that heaven has to enable this. And we praise you. I thank you, Lord, for all the unholy things that no longer exist in our lives because they were all dealt with over the weekend. Praise God. Hallelujah. And Lord, we thank you that now those things are out of the way. The way is clear for us to live holy lives and not to go back to those things that restrict us and bind us. And we praise you and we bless you and we thank you, Lord. Come on, let's pray. Balandaria Zato Papakala Zutri Sandaria Leto Papaparazandam Balandaria Leto Gorazutri Sandaria Leto Papaparazandam Bastakalaria Leto Papapakala Zutri Santum Balandaria Leto Papapapakala Zanduri Sandara Mazuntam Now, I'm sure that many of you over the weekend were saying how now you wanted to see the will of God more fully in your life. Well, that's why you've listened to this message this morning, because God is simply explaining to you what that means. Hallelujah. So his question to you now is, do you want to be holy? Really want to be holy. I mean, is this the desire of your heart to be like Jesus, to be more like Jesus? Do you really want to be transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, not with ever-increasing restriction and joylessness, but with ever-increasing glory? More of the joy of the Lord, more of the glory of the Lord in your heart and life. Is this what you want? Is this your desire? 
Are you ready to pray for this, to live for this, to see the outworking of this, to see your ability to bear much fruit for the glory of the Father because of this? Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Just pray, just pray, just respond to the Lord. I once heard of a pastor who realized that there needed to be a greater holiness in his life. And so he asked someone who obviously was expressing that in his life. He said to him, what, what can I do to become more holy in my ministry? And you know what the man told him? He said, keep preaching on holiness until you're living it. <laughs> oh, you see, we need not necessarily to preach it, but we need to keep in that word, keep in the word, keep in the word. Why? Because we're sanctified by the truth, Jesus says. You want to see that word, the word of God reflected in your life. So praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Balandaria Zatu Papakala, seated his son. Papa Papara Sandoris Aria Leto, Papa Papara Sandoris Antima. Papa Papara Sandaria Leto, Papa Papakala Sandima. O Papa Papara Sandaria Leto, Papa Papakala, seated his son Daria Leto. O Papa Papara Sandoris Aria Leto, Papa Papara Sandima. Papa Papara Sandoris Antima. Hallelujah. My wife and I talk about the power of the button. You know, as soon as anything on the television that comes on that is, is not godly, you've got the power of the button. Off it goes. Boom. Straight away. No compromise. No business. No. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. He hates violence. He hates... It's sexually explicit things, and so on. Off! Right? Because actually, that's not going to feed you any positives. It's only going to feed negatives into your mind. And you'll find when you come to pray, those things that you watch come to mind because God says, I'm not going to listen to you till you get your mind clean. So it's better not to let those things into your mind in the first place, isn't it? That's not restrictive. That's freedom. Right? It's freedom not to allow things 
to impact your life, it would actually put you in bondage. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now we thank you, Lord, that you are the God of all mercy and grace. And I thank you, Lord, that this sanctification of our soul life is a process. And you know that we're not going to get it right all of the time. But I thank you, Lord, for you're always merciful day by day. But you know our hearts and you know our intentions, whether we really want to glorify you and really want to become the people that you want us to be. And thank you that you're always willing to be merciful when we get it wrong. And thank you that your grace will always be sufficient for us to enable us to get it right. So we thank you, Lord, that there's going to be this increase of, of taking us from glory to glory, one degree of glory to another, as we really seek to see the outworking in our lives of your plan and purpose for us to be holy and blameless in your sight. And thank you, Lord, that your scripture says that you will keep us blameless to the end. Praise your holy name. That's just... such a wonderful outworking of your love for us. And we praise you, Lord. We bless you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, beloved, Horsham is groaning, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Those holy sons of God. There are holy sons of God Horsham will continue to groan until they're revealed. And then Horsham will give up its dead.
those that are living in deadness are going to come out of darkness into the light. Just, just consider this. Jesus, the Holy One, this, this always amazes me. Jesus, the Holy One, attracted sinners. In Jesus' audience, they were not the Pharisees, the religious people. They were full of their own self-righteousness and their idea of holiness. But he had the prostitutes. He had the tax gatherers who were swindlers, the crooks. He had the poor, he had the desperate, he had the needy. The prostitutes were not wanting to avoid Jesus because of his holiness. They were drawn to him because of his holiness. There's something very attractive about true holiness. Well, you've got legalistic holiness. People want to avoid that as far as they can. But with true holiness, it draws, it attracts, because it's light. See, Jesus, the Holy One, came as the light of the world and lived in the light. And the light attracts. The light draws people. Hallelujah. So we're seeing a little bit of that happen already, aren't we? Seeing more and more. Unsaved people being drawn, there are more people coming Sunday by Sunday, they're there. But it's not just those who come to church, but you know, wherever we are, we will be attracted. People will be drawn to Jesus. Not drawn to us, but they're drawn to Jesus. Because it's the light of Jesus that will shine out of our lives. Can we dare to believe this? Come on, let's pray for this. Lord, just as all those sinners were drawn to Jesus because of the holiness of his life. They weren't trying to avoid him, but they realized he had the key to a better life. That the prostitutes, the crocs, the tax gatherers, the criminals, the, they could see the hope of a better life in Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that they didn't want to shun him they wanted to seek him. So we praise you, Lord. We praise you for the way people are going to come out of darkness into your glorious light. But you see, the, the obverse was also true. In holiness movements, you know, you separate yourself from the world. And that, but Jesus didn't separate himself from all those needy people made himself available, made himself vulnerable, if you like. Hallelujah. And he sent the disciples out into the world as he went out into the world. He didn't just preach in synagogue meetings. He did that, but he didn't only do that. He was out where the sinners were. Praise God. But he was out there in his holiness. So, Father, we thank you and praise you. We dare to believe that you will work out in us everything that you need to do in us so that we will see the fulfillment of all the plans and your purposes you have for us. 
Thank you. We're going to see harvest, Lord. We're going to see harvest. And that you will work in us whatever you need to do in order to equip us for that. That people will come out of darkness into something that is going to be so satisfying, so joyful, so fulfilling, because it really is the fullness of your life into which they're drawn. So we give you all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, let's really thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So what this means is simply the way you live will have an effect upon other people. Even if they don't know the way you live. If you're, if you're living this life, you will have an effect upon other people. So praise God. I'm happy. Anybody else happy? I'm full of the joy of the Lord. Anybody else full of the joy of the Lord? Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.